All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Ladies and gentlemen, what's up? This is Questlove, another episode of Questlove Supreme here uh, with my my crew, my team Supreme in the house. Uh, Laia, how are you? I'm How's it going? Today, I am doing. I know. You know I'm doing. <laughs> Listen. Yo, we, we've been waiting Fonte on this. I was one. here first. Yeah. I was here first. I've been waiting on this one, man. I know. How you doing, Steve? How's life? I'm doing great. Life is great. I love this podcast. I love you. And hello Thank to you. our guest. Hey. We love you too. Absolutely. We love you back. Fontigolo. Yeah, cooler, man. Cooler, man. Uh, this is one for the record books. Man, <laughs> listen. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm chilling. I'm really excited about this episode today. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it this morning, and I realized that this podcast is probably the antidote to my Instagram account, which, of course, you know, my Instagram account could be another person's obituary. It's like, you don't, like, my Instagram is, you don't want to be on that Summer Jam screen. Like, ah, will I be there next? Is he going to be writing about me, you know, next and the life I lived and, you know, my death. But, you know, Fonte actually brought up a point. You know, sometimes we just need to give people their flowers. And I think it's rather, I think it's rather apropos that we're taping this episode, especially after what I dubbed the Versus Comedy Hour. Ooh, yes, Amir. <laughs> Talk about it, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> For real, for real. I honestly feel like if there ever was a paradigm shift or a kind of, kind of a, a, a sea change and just in the process of, of what art is, you could probably say that our guest today was probably the last Mohican. Um, and this is not to, you know, is this is not to, you know, call out other singers that Mm-mm. came after our guest and whatnot, but Mm-mm. I just feel as though just the, the, the level of, of taking your craft seriously, um, especially for black music, is you know it's it's i i feel as though it's it's kind of in in danger or at least at least in a defcon five situation 
if you if you, you know you, y'all just got to read between the lines like our, our our guest today is definitely master master vocalist i mean he's been our favorite for so long and we've been dying to get him on the show um without further ado ladies and gentlemen please welcome freaking tevin campbell is on quest love supreme <laughs> yes we indeed <laughs> 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 I actually thought this was, I don't know why I just thought you'd be unobtainable or just not interested in doing it. I, I don't even know how we started. I think I just, you know, shot my shot and DMs is like, yo, we, yeah. we got this, we got, you know, like. You sent a text like, I got him. Yeah, dog. I, I didn't even think he would answer. I was just like, eh, he, he's not going to answer. First of all, we know each other. We run into each other all the time. Right. You know, through the years. And right. uh, no, I don't usually do interviews and stuff like that. But you know what? Quest Live, are you fucking kidding me? Are you Thank you, man. Thank you. I'm really honored. I'm honored. Oh, no. Nah. You ain't you with family today, bro. We just chopping yeah. it up. Yeah. We, we just talking shit. So let's go. Mm-hmm. You know what's weird? You know what's weird? Okay, so when I was looking up just like your basic information it's kind of weird how perception is you know like throughout the years because like okay me sitting in the movie theater watching graffiti bridge like watching you act or just like even on the freshman like generally just knowing you like whatever your videos or whatever i think in my mind from this from this perspective me as a 51 year older i would say like oh probably like 20 almost 30 years older than him and it's so weird how like i know you were born in 76 which basically you're just five years younger than me but it's so weird like at 20 i felt you were like like in my mind i'm like oh he must have been four years old or five years old even though you're just (laughs) five years younger than me because he was living a grown-ass life remember we was like wow look at his life must be awesome (laughs) yeah man so it's, it's just weird how like we're actually like closer in age and peer wise, but I don't know. My perception back when I was 20 was like, you were way, way, way younger than me, which is now it's like, okay, you're kind of four or five years younger than me, which is kind of like, we're the same age. No, it, it, a lot of people say that, but I think that's the power of the childhood stardom uh, phenomenon, you know? I mean, <laughs> to this day, I get, you know, people come to me, they're like, you know, Oh, you're Tammy Campbell, but you look older. You have gray hair, you know. Like, oh, everyone still thinks you're <laughs> supposed to be. But that's just the way the brain works, you know. Like, wow. if you right. were introduced as a child, everybody's going to remember, and especially if you made some sort of impact. You know, I was blessed to have made an impact as a kid. People remember that, and so right. to this day, I get that same thing. So you're not the only one. Well, thank you again for doing this for us. Where, where are you talking to us now from? Where Where are you? I am in new york well first of all do you, what what was your first musical memory in life uh my aunt giving me the amazing grace album the Rita franklin amazing grace album on the vinyl she gave that to me when i was i think i was that was the first album that i listened to continuously uh i think i was maybe eight or nine she gave that to me so now, her version of Holy Holy is just like, yeah. come on, man. What are we talking about? Well, her version of Amazing Grace is is, yeah. is incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. though the song was written by a slave owner, I didn't know that until 
years after uh right. like a couple of years ago i learned that but anyway she makes seems sense. To like no yeah yeah it does it does what was it like for you to see the film version of that after having lived with it so long you mean you mean the uh her aretha's film version she you know when she was alive she they tried to bring it out maybe like you know like 20 years ago and because of some sort of contractual dispute she didn't allow it, so of course she had to pass away. Were you able to see the documentary or the the, the concert, the film? It, which, the, the Amazing Grace, the yes. live. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I thought it was beautiful. In a point in her life where she was very happy, not that she wasn't happy at any point in her life, but she was glowing and she was, uh, she had this afro, and it was just beautiful, right. man. And you know, seeing her in her element. I think is was the most beautiful thing I think that people were touched by seeing that film because you don't a lot of people don't know that she sat and played that piano a lot of the songs that she did and a lot of songs on Amazing Grace album too so to see her sitting there in her element playing the piano and singing is just amazing all the time so that was that was amazing. most people don't know that she's like a just as good as a piano player as she is a exactly. singer yeah yes. it's important for yes. people to see that so can you tell me about your, where were you born? I was born in Dallas, Texas. Hey. Parkland oh, Hospital. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. I'm a country boy. I'm trying to hide right. my accent, but it's actually going to start coming out. It's my first glass of wine. So once I get on the second glass of wine. Oh, that's what we're doing? Oh, that's that's cool. Well, I'm a wine guy. Oh, you know, no. So this this I, might be a, a Denise Williams <laughs> episode. <All right. laughs> I'm not trying let me go get my box. I'm trying to start no problems. <laughs> it ain't a problem. All right. So you, you grew up in Dallas. Just in general, what was your, you know, your formative years like as far as like how you discovered music? And did you discover it with that album or were you coming out the womb singing it? Oh, no. I was my mom. I was coming out the womb singing. I was singing since I was three years old. My mom said I used to go up to the speaker and just hold my ear up to the speaker and sort of like just imitating anything that was coming out of the speaker. Uh, I was into cars and singing. I remember when I was little, I used to run my hands on the side of cars like my hand was a car. It, I, that was how infatuated I was with cars. And singing was just a part of my, I did, that was just what I knew how to do. I mean, I, you know, people would give me 50 cents or a dollar or two dollars to sing for them, you know. That was, I didn't think of it as uh, anything particularly special. It was just something that, uh, was I just not do it? You know, I could see the effect I had on people, but uh, I grew to love it as I grew older. I didn't really; it was just a part of me. It was just something that I could do. I didn't see it as a talent or anything like that. I was; it was just I was a kid. How old would you say you were when? What what age do you consider you actually starting your your craft? Well, it definitely wasn't while I was a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was <laughs> it was uh i didn't see it as a craft i just i was just doing what i knew how to do i didn't see it as uh something i took it for granted when i was a kid so did your mother see it first then is that what happened my mom grew up seeing it also so okay okay yeah she she yeah she saw it she saw it for everybody saw it but like i like like i said like you know I did talent shows at school and stuff like that. And, but I didn't walk around like thinking that I was a good, I didn't, I was just singing. Like it wasn't something special. It was, I wasn't, uh, I didn't consider it special. 
Hmm. Like, did everyone know? Like, ah, like were you waking up at like out of sleep? Like, sing for the people. Or <laughs> I think I was thrown into the business so fast that like, like so early that um, I didn't really get a chance to to understand like talent and all that. I didn't really understand what that meant. I was just doing something that I love to do. I didn't think that I was talented because of it at the time. I didn't understand what that meant. I didn't understand what that meant until probably well, when I started with Quincy and and started singing for Quincy and like I and I realized who he was because I didn't know of course. You know, before I met him. I didn't know who he was. Right. But then you know Sarabon and Ella Fitzgerald and all these people. I started to realize, hmm, you, you know, I knew I could sing. I just didn't think of it as uh, it was just something that was just a Part of me. That was just well, that's probably that a good thing. Yeah. Probably I think it thing. was a good thing. Uh, for your first talent show, do you know what you sang? Oh my God. I did Whitney Houston, Greatest Love of All. And it was absolutely God awful because it was too high. It's so and high. I was, yeah. so, I was so nervous and I was shaking the whole time I was singing it. And my coach, the PE coach, was like, dude, why did you sing it so high? I was like, I want to do it in the original key. I was like nine years old, you know. Oh, but so when you modulate it, like, you just. <laughs> I don't know if you call it a modulation. Uh, it was it was horrible. It was horrible. I wish I know somebody recorded that. But yeah, that was bad. I wasn't good at talent shows or anything like that. I wasn't good at that. But that was your go to song. Oh, yeah. Whitney. Whitney was my go to artist when I was growing up. All into my adulthood, and young adulthood and everything. She was the one. Who are like the three artists that are your North Stars as far as like who, at least when you're singing, that you're gravitating towards them besides Whitney? When I was younger, I definitely gravitated towards Whitney. Everything I did, it was Whitney. I literally idolized the lady. Her stage movements and everything. It was, she was literally everything to me. But now it changes every couple of years. I discovered new singers. Like Patsy Cline, to me, is one of the best singers. Like she, her, her voice moves me more than a lot of other voices that she would think would move me more than hers. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I told my brother, Patsy Cline, she could sing. He was like, ah, she all right. She ain't doing no riffs or nothing. She's just staying in one tone. But it's not, it's not all about that. It's about what is behind the voice. You know, I hear all that. I'm very sensitive to that. So, but Donny Hathaway... Aretha Franklin and Whitney Houston, definitely other three for me. What is it? Because I, I find that as an interesting answer. I actually, I I like singers who sort of don't come out the gate flexing. I mean, nothing against Christina Aguilera, but, you know, she goes from zero to Autobahn in <laughs> like 1.2 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> you know, whatever her, her calling is. But, you know, I, I just... For you, though, what is it? Because I often like singers that have that ability, but often hold back what they have. Because I, I think that's a gift to, to to sort of sing it flat and then, you know, sort of rise to the occasion. What is it about a singer like Patsy Cline that you look for? Like, when you hear a singer, how do you know, okay, they have a good voice? Or what is it that you... Is this something scientific that you can actually explain? Or is it just like what you feel? Yeah, it, well, it's not all about what you feel, and it's not all about how good they sing. It's about how they interpret a song. Every song is not meant for runs and, and things like that. So 
being a great singer is not all about how your voice sounds when you're singing a song. It's about how you're feeling the song and how you're living the song as you're singing the song. I could name you a couple of singers that have actually great technical voices, but they're not good at exuding the emotion and the and the life of the song, you know? So it's, there is definitely some science to that. For me, it's like the Mary versus Faith argument. Like, Faith mm. is technically like the the better singer and i'm putting that in big quotation marks but mary the material you feel mary yeah you feel mary yeah i would i would totally i would i wouldn't say that one is better than the other one but i would say that mary is definitely more raw than mm. faith um it's just like uh i mean and i can like i said before i can name you various singers that have these amazing voices but display no emotion i, I and you know it's it's not something that you learn. It's something that you uh, embody. And you don't have to actually have went through these songs, subject, the subject of the song. It's just about how you take it and make it your own. It's like an actor does when he plays a role. You know what I'm saying? You have to take it and, and you use it in a, in a way that you can understand it. All right, so I have a question. Um, now that I know that you live in this area, asking are you... Uh... You know, are you familiar with the borough of Harlem? Specifically, a a restaurant called uh, Red Rooster. And I'm only specifically asking <laughs> because if you are a New York resident and you decide to go to Red Rooster on a Sunday, they kind of do something very different up there. I th they're now doing something different with like a gospel choir. But like the first five years of that restaurant often... Jazz flautist Bobby Humphrey used to host oh, shit. Um, kind of the Sunday brunch thing, which is kind of cool, but it's also a thing where, you know, if you're like knee deep in smothered chicken or something, she'll have a microphone in front of your face. Like, you know, like Dinah Ross, like puts you on the spot to sing, reach out and touch someone's <laughs> hands. <laughs> and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, oh God, Bobby Humphrey's like in my face again with a microphone. I believe that I heard the story that when you were younger, she's the one that sort of started the ball rolling. Yeah. Can you explain like her yeah. her position in your life? Because, you know, for a lot of hip hop fans, Bobby Humphrey um, was Mizell part of that. Brothers. Yeah, the Mizell Brothers, like the, the 70s Blue Note catalog, many hip hop samples have come from her. Um, first of all, were you familiar with who she was when you first met her? Or was it just like, oh, this lady was in the business once and, No, I was you know. 11. I didn't, I was 11. Okay. I didn't know who she was. Right. Uh, so what happened was her brother were, were, and my mother were good friends. I think they went to work together at the post office. My mom used to work at the post office. Okay. And uh, he knew I could sing. So she lived in here in New York. And he called her up on the phone. And I sang for her on the phone. And I think it was You Bring Me Joy, Lita Baker. And she had this club called Sweetwaters and, in New York. And she flew me out. And uh, I wore this white tuxedo coat and this tux and this uh, bow tie, and I was what 11 years old. Mm -hmm. And I did uh, once, twice, three times, I think, uh, by Howard Hewitt. I think that's the song I did. Oh, oh. <laughs> I thought you meant Lionel Richie. I'm Me like, too. That's why I was like, wait, what? That's a mature I mean, song. No, then I kiss you once. No, it was Howard Hewitt. Oh, twice. Okay. Oh, that's the shit. Yeah, yeah. Three yeah. times. I was, I was, yeah, in front of all these grown people drinking at this club. <laughs> so it was, and I did, I think. And, you had no idea. No, what you I, 
no. I, but I knew the songs, though. That's what I meant about saying before. Like, you, yeah. you know. Uh, so anyway, yeah, Bobby on free, and she shot and she sent that videotape to like numerous record companies and uh, numerous. I mean, I met everybody, Mo Austin, I met everybody. Kenny G was at, at Aristide, he gave me a saxophone. Anyway, I'm rambling. Wait, time mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, and- There's no rambling in questions. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you, got, you got to understand the type of show that this is. Tell him, Amir. Mm-mm. Like, we're, we're less about, we're less about like gotcha journalism and more about like, the craft of of how mm-hmm. your art is, so we're we're kind of all the nerd in, shit. Yeah, we're kind of into we that nerd <laughs> sort of stuff. Yeah. So you're you're basically saying that you were 11 at the time, yeah. and well, I know you got your deal at 12. So basically, took a year to get that ball ro- rolling. Yeah, because we went, we met a lot of different people, and um, Quincy was the lot. He was the one that got me. Wait, first of all, why did he give you a saxophone? Kenny I know Kenny G. Uh, I didn't even. I didn't even get the Kenny G. <laughs> home game. <laughs> what the fuck, Kenny? At least a Starbucks card, or something. Right, right. <laughs> he gave me a saxophone. I, that you know, I think that's probably when I started to realize, you know, because I knew who he was. I knew that. I knew that song. I, he had a huge hit at the time, and song I knew break. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really cool. And um, anyway, mm. yeah. So she, she, she was the reason why I. Uh, I was signed to Quest uh, Warner Bros. I mean, she was the reason why that tape got to Quincy. That was the tape that Quincy actually saw. He was like, yeah, let's sign this kid. So. Wow. Actually, Benny Medina saw it first and then Quincy. So Benny Medina okay. saw it Warner Bros. Of course. So can you walk us through the process, or at least what you remember the process of, like, I, I assume first coming to L.A. and meeting these people? Like, you know, you're meeting all these legends, um, and I'm certain that you wouldn't know half of them. Who Who's the first person that made an impression on you? Like, I know who this person is. I know is, who this is, right. <laughs> and I can't believe I'm meeting them. As opposed to, oh, like, Michael like, Sarah Vaughan, who are you? Yeah, like, right. <laughs> Michael Jackson was the first person that I met that, uh, like, I knew who he was. And, but not even, it wasn't even Prince. Mm-hmm. You know, Prince didn't really, I Register. knew who Prince was, but... I, I knew who he was, you know, but Michael, wow, Michael Jackson, you know what I'm saying? Wow. All right, wait, you I know? got, I have a back on the block question. <laughs> and and hopefully <laughs> you go offer just a tiny bit of insight because I, I don't so. even think we asked this on the Quincy Jones episode that's never, ever coming out. Yes, Tevin. We, we, talked, to oh, Quincy no. for, we talked to Quincy for four hours and Quincy In his got living room. Real Quincy-ish. Wow. With, oh, speaking oh, of the yeah, wine, so... <laughs> Well, I'm not gonna. No, 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 no. It's not. No, no, no. It's not even salacious. It's not even salacious. But I, I pretty much, I think we all basically know that he was the missing link on back on the block as far as not being on the Secret Garden. And you know, I'll, I'll be sure told us that mm-hmm. you know mm. that Michael was supposed to be on Secret Garden. Instead, I'll be sure got the spot. Were you at all privy? to the situation in 88, 89, when he might show up, might not show up, that you could at least sort of kind of share? <laughs> I was a kid. No, I didn't know anything about that. No, know I, no, trust me. If I did, I'd tell you. But I, I, was, I was a kid. I, I was just in awe of everything. So, you know. There, there's a curious moment on um, BT 
where Quincy and Sarah Vaughn are sitting with um, Donnie Simpson. And, you know, as, as a person that often talks, like, inside baseball to, like, people, like, I could say something to one of my band members that none of the audience would know anything. And I guess Donnie Simpson had asked, like, well, why isn't Michael Jackson on the record? And Sarah Vaughn sort of shot a look at Quincy and said something encoded speak and Quincy and her just started laughing and you know like Donnie's like let me in on the joke he's like no it's best we not do that so <laughs> I you know I just generally wanted to know if if you knew well that. I mean I, I do know that there was a falling out between the two that's all I know uh I'm just glad you was able to be a kid well it wasn't a normal childhood but I was we were able to 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 be uh mischievous mischievous sometimes but it was mostly working so you know that's, that's what I did. Because you were out of the classroom setting by this time, right? Like as a kid? Yeah, I, I, well, I went to a private school. I love um, the way you said it. Private school. All right. I did say that. <laughs> very snobby. Private school. I said that very snobby. <laughs> that's the why. That's the why. <laughs> I went I went to a private school. No, it was uh not all like I when I moved to LA, I went to a private school and uh but I was never there. I was never there. So. Right. So you weren't able to have like bonding or just like regular <laughs> bonding friendships and stuff like that. Walk us through that because we often hear like, "Hey, we had tutors or whatever." But okay, so you're in school, which I assume that at the age of twelve, you're kind of in eighth grade, maybe seventh grade or eighth grade. Can you walk us through a daily ritual? Like, do you have to show up at eight in the morning, or is it just? It was very rare that I was in school consistently for like weeks and months. So, uh, but the school that I attended, a lot of celebrity kids went to. So uh, like Rod Stewart's daughter and all the Jackson, all the Jackson kids went there. Okay. All, and Rashida and Kadada, everybody went there. So it was one of those, one of those private schools, but I was a kid from Texas. So this was, this was new for me, but I was never there. But when I was there, I got in trouble and got detention every other day because I never came in uniform. When I came in uniform, my tie wasn't done all the way or my, my shirt was untucked. I was always causing problems at that school, but I was allowed to because I was... Heaven Campbell. I was the one. I was, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't get away with a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Like he was just on Fresh Prince last week. Calm down. Oh, wow. <laughs> it keeps showing that episode. It's really cool, though, that they keep showing that. That's great. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. At the top of this episode, when I was talking about being a seasoned singer, at this point, is you know Seth Riggs a part of your exercise? Or I mean, I would assume that someone must have suggested, like, okay, you got to warm your voice up and all that stuff. Did you? Were you uh, a, a student of of the great Seth Riggs as a vocal trainer? Oh, I mean, I thought you'd be now. Yeah, I did go to Seth Riggs where my voice was changing to the point where I couldn't. I could. I was ah, uh, like there was no control. Like the puberty part when that hit. So I had to literally do tell me what you want me to do live. And that's when it hit. So I couldn't hit mm. this. <laughs> so you started lower, lowering the key, modulating the key down so that no, you could match I, it. No, no, we couldn't do that. Not when, you, not when you're 14 years old, you can't lower the key. You gotta do it, you know? So that's uh, when I started, yeah, there's no, there's uh, no such thing. I can do that now I'm 45. You know, it makes sense to lower the key to that side. Right. But when you're 14, no. So. I had to go to Seth Riggs for I went for the whole like a summer because it was really bad. I had no control over that break, and he taught me how to sort of control it. After that, there's no I didn't go back to it. How many? So when you're training, how many hours? What's the daily regimen? I mean, how many hours is it a day, or is it just once a week? Or well, first of all, you go into his office and you do a whole bunch of exercises. So you mean for me at, uh, for a show or just No, no, for you, for you and oh. Seth Riggs. Okay, yeah, you just go in and he just gives you exercises to do for like 30 minutes. You could pay for an hour, you do an hour. Okay. He used to charge like 2,000 per hour. So like it was, something wow. it was something ridiculous. It was something ridiculous. And he used to talk half the time. He used to talk <laughs> half the time. <laughs> and he did that consistently. He was a great, he was a great teacher. Though. I learned a lot. From him that I use to this day, like warm up exercises and all kinds of. For our listeners out there, um, Michael Jackson's two hour tutorial is still surprisingly still on YouTube, which is basically two hours of hearing Michael Jackson do all the scales. Yeah, and no, 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 like all the like I. That's probably one of the greatest vocal exercise educations that you can get for free. Uh, while it's it still works. up. Oh, nice. And it works. I mean, that's all Seth. Yeah, he was a, he was an avid student. Seth had a lot of great, a lot of great, uh, great 
great clients. But yeah, like I said, yeah, that stuff works, man. All that stuff works. All that stuff. It works. Because all it's doing is just, you know, sort of warming that up. You know, we were introduced to you via Back on the Block, but when you were when you were brought out there, did you immediately start working on your debut album or was it just back on the block? Let's see what happens first. Okay, now you get a record deal or was it just like out the gate? You're going to work on your album and subsequently get introduced from Quincy. I'm trying to remember. Um, Man, 30 years. Like huh? I, yeah. Well, I was I was 12 years old. Uh, I knew I know that uh, after uh, the introduction to Prince, when Benny introduced Benny Medina introduced me to Prince, and I did the uh, Graffiti Bridge, mm-hmm. um, round and round, round and round. I know that he wanted to be on the first album. I remember that, and Warner Brothers, uh, Warner Brothers wouldn't. They're like, oh my god, it was all kinds of crazy stuff. Wait, the Warner Brothers. I ah, that. I'm glad you brought that up. Everyone knows that I'm a Prince stan. And, you know, and also the Prince, what I call the orgers, the Prince.orgers is sort of, they always side-eye me when I start, <laughs> you know, talking my 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 trash. Now, I mean, this is the thing. Everyone knows that he's my North Star as far as creativity is concerned. But, you know, it it's to a lot of Prince people that are very honest with themselves, they would also know that that period was a rather questionable period of his life. And I got to hear the P, the the song that you you demoed. Did he demo in the way that you're smiling right now? I don't now? even remember. <laughs> I don't even remember doing that. I swear to God, I'll tell you, I don't remember where we were. I don't remember what year that was. But all I well, know is that he, I was in the middle of, of that. I was in the middle of that whole thing. And that didn't stop until after I'm ready. Based on what I can tell, because, you know, I heard his I heard his demo guide and I heard your version and you literally followed everything to a T. So I would basically (laughs) say that if you're working with him, is it just assume that, okay, do exactly what I do on this track and follow it to it? Is he there coaching you or is it just sort of like? No, he's not. It's just me. That's me. I, I wasn't very um, experiment a lot when it came to him. I kind of sing it like the demo. Uh, the only songs I drifted away from the demo was sort of, was Can We Talk? And I'm ready, all those songs. Babyface Joyce. Uh, yeah. Um, and Tomorrow, not at all, because it was just... That's no, Tomorrow least. was on me. That was me, because it, yeah. it was no vocals to that song. So she right. wrote that literally in the studio. I was just going to ask, when you got Tomorrow as a fan of Whitney, did you feel like that was kind of like your Whitney song in a way? Did you no. feel, remember how you felt as a kid? I didn't think that then, but I, I wasn't processed. My brain wasn't processed enough to think like that because <laughs> I was too I I was too self-conscious mm-hmm. in the studio. But I do think that sort of now, like when I listen to Tomorrow and one song, the sort of inspirational songs that I have, a couple that I do have, I have some more, but they're not on my albums. But anyway, I do think that now. Oh. Uh, well, eventually, I assume that you got to meet her. What was what was it like for you to uh, meet her? <laughs> oh, Where did you meet her? The first time I met Whitney Houston, she invited me to her listening party or her after party. It was some sort of party. 
But then the second time, which was more personable, was when I we were there was the hotel called the Riga Royal, which okay. is now the London or the Conrad. But it oh, yeah. was the Riga okay. Royal. Remember? Mm-hmm. It was her and Bobby. And I was coming out of my room and something, and they were coming down the hall. And we had this whole long conversation. She was like, How you doing? I was like, I'm doing fine. How you doing? Wait, he's just doing fine. And Bobby was there. You know, it was like uh, just, just us three didn't have any bodyguards, anybody around them. It was just us three having a conversation. I was like 15, 16. And that was the last time that I saw Whitney Houston. It was the second time that I met her. I never knew her personally. Like we were never friends, or I never called her or talked to her on the phone or anything like that. The only the closest connection I had with her was the the Narda Michael Walden. Uh, he used to call her from the studio, mm-hmm. but I never talked to her. But he used to call her from the studio and let her hear, because <laughs> I used to say just I used to try to imitate her, and so he would <laughs> let her. He would let her hear, like tell me what you want me to do and stuff like. She's like oh, so she never knew. Doing. She never knew that you were that she was your hero. Yes. Oh yeah, she knew. And it was too overwhelming for you to strike a friendship. I was a kid. He was a kid. Was I was saying, he was a kid. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, you know, I, but she she knew. She knew okay. that I freaking loved her. I told her when I saw her, especially that time in the hall. I mean, you know. It was her and Aretha. I could never act normal when I saw these two women. I remember seeing Aretha on Broadway. We were some Broadway show. Right. And she she comes with these, you know, her whoever she was with, and these 10, just huge entourage. Yeah. <laughs> and she knows me. I've seen her many times since I was 12 years old. I even came to sing for her. She invited me to sing Always in My Heart, which was one of her favorite songs. She invited me to sing that for her at, at right. some event. I think it was a birthday party. And so I saw her and I couldn't even leave. You know how you do this this thing when you, mm-hmm. you know, right, you right. don't put your lips. <laughs> I call that I the lived. Mariah. <laughs> I, but you know, you, you don't want to put your lips on. I you left, in. right, yeah, yeah. I couldn't even, I just, I couldn't even do that. I couldn't do the, the cheeks just touch. I bet she was like, what the hell is wrong with this? But I was so nervous to even like, like, but she could tell. She could just. She knows. She. She. Every time mm-hmm. she saw me, she's like, "How's your mom? How's your mom?" She used to that. I. I she was. I, I. I digress. Were you able to bond with a circle of people? Like, who would you consider? You know, like, okay. So when I came in the business, then I became friends with Common, and we became friends and started hanging. Like, d- did you have peers that you regularly hung with and? No, because I was 12, so there was nobody else my age okay. doing what I was doing. Yeah, in our minds, I, you were real friends with Tatiana Ali. In, in our teenage minds, right. it was like was they were best right. friends. <laughs> no, not really. We 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 were friends. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, I hung out a lot with the boys. Remember the group, the boys? Oh, my yeah. God, Hakeem. Yeah. Hakeem yeah. and them. Wait, yeah. Taj and uh, the Sons of Light. The Sons, the Sons of Light. Of Light. Yeah. Okay. Yes. We, 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 we broke a lot of lamps in, in the hotel rooms and stuff. And me and my brother and the boys used to hang out a lot. So the boys, but I did bond with them. Like, we were just so bad. But the uh, 16, 17, 18, 19, mm-hmm. those years, no. I was pretty much a loner. <laughs> yeah, Tevin. There was so. there was a lot going on. There was a lot yeah. going on. I don't think I even realized how much was going on until a couple of years ago when I actually started to process everything. So I mean, mm. like I said, I don't regret anything, but there's a lot of there are more pros than there are cons to being a child mm. a childhood star, a former child star. You know, it's I mean, it's a, it's an amazing uh, thing to be able to say that and survive. How long it, it, 
on average does it take you to get through a take where you're satisfied with it and the producer's satisfied with it and all parties involved are satisfied? It depends. It, they used to call me one take seven. Oh, I was a kid. Hey, talk your shit. So, I, right. I'm not, I didn't make that up. I did not make that up. I swear to God. That's Babyface gave me that name. Uh, <laughs> so how many takes for Can We the, Talk? I don't remember how many takes I did Can We Talk. It, it wasn't a lot. I, back then, I just went in and, and I hated actually being in the studio. I wanted to be in the streets. I wanted you wanted to, to play. Okay, I get it. <laughs> I wanted to play. I wanted to go driving around in my car and just be in the studio. Right. I, I, you know, it was like work to me. If I had to do it more than three or four times, I, you know, I was a brat. So, but with Babyface, it was all about the feeling. It wasn't about necessarily the technicalities of it. But with Narda, Michael Walden, it was all about the, the technicalities and the notes. And they can't be sharp and they can't, and the feeling. So you have to have both. So I think Narda really, I had the most fun working with him because I worked. I, he made me work. And I, and I didn't warm up really. And, and to this day, I don't warm up until hours after I start singing. So you have to keep singing, you know, that, you know, mm-hmm. I had to learn that about myself too. But Narda was the best. He, I had the most uh, nurturing working relationship, I think, with Narda. Okay, can I ask a question? Is because, you know, we've been doing this show for five years and literally no singer or at least singer singers has given me the, 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 the dream answer that I want to hear it's like yes you know before i do a song i sit and do me 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 like three hours and drink all this tea and all like everyone basically says hey man i showed up i sang it and then i went home so is <laughs> is the idea of warming up just a myth that non-singers like myself think that an artist has to go through to do their craft or like even for you Fonte like even when you're doing your your records like I think you- it just depends on the song. I think if it's, you know, if it's something where cuz I've had takes where you know, you'll write something and then sing it and I'm like, "Okay, this sounds cool, but I can do it better." And then you'll come back and do it quote unquote better, but there's just there may be just some vulnerability in the first take because you're just now learning the song, you know what I mean? And you don't know it know it versus singing it when you know it. It may, you know, it just may not fit the song. If the song you're singing has to have a, a hint of vulnerability or uncertainty, if you're, if that's the character you're playing, quote unquote, then the first take generally, for me, you know, those early takes, that's kind of where the magic is. Once you get, I go back to what Tevin said, once you get like three, four times at that point, you're just, just kind of regurgitating the same thing. It's, it's kind of like a rehearsal at that point. And the, the, the magic is lost in, in my experience. Once you overdo it and keep on doing it. Yeah, yeah. You kind of sing the life out of it. You know what I mean? So a lot of times the first ones, those are the ones, if they may not be the most technically great, they are the ones that are the most honest and may fit the song better. Is that kind of for you, Tevin? Is that the same thing or similar to Yeah, it? I, I think you are right on that. And I think it depends on the song and I think it depends on actually the singer also. Every singer has its own different way of approaching the song and approaching the you know, performance of the song. Some singers can walk into the studio and give a great performance without you can warm it up. You know, I mean, there are singers that can do that. There's a lot of, excuse me, there are a lot of songs that Aretha did that she did warm up. She wow. just walked in and she just did. Aretha. Some people, you know what I'm saying? Baby face right. says that <laughs> she won't go more than two takes. Like, that's it. Oh, yeah. And I don't think, I, I think that's the way it's always been. And she can do that, you know? 
Uh, some singers can't do that. And she can deliver all the, the things that need to be in the song in those two takes. So, but it's definitely those first takes, I think. And I think if you ask a movie director also, uh, for like Frank Sinatra didn't like do, doing more than one take on the scene. He liked to just do it one take because he felt like that was the most natural and the most real work. He felt like if he over, did it over and over again, it would lose his magic, like you said. So I agree. Your first album, uh, which is the spelling of your name, was that supposed to be an acronym for something? You got darts. <laughs> T-E-V-I-N, uh, or were you just spelling it, or? Oh, first of all. Wait, oh, what'd no. you say, what'd you say? Oh, I made up an acronym, I made up an acronym right, for that. Acronym? Oh, hit, come hit, on, hit, hit me, <laughs> Transmitting every vocal immaculately, nigga. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I had that's it Wait, right there. I put that it on Twitter. Is, it was like, it was somebody, it was on Twitter. This That's was like Twitter it. like years ago. I think it was when, you know, I think somebody, they tried to like come for you or something on Twitter and everybody was just like, nah, fuck that. That's Seven Campbell. And that was one of the things I posted. It went off. They always coming for me on Twitter. I know what you're talking about. That yeah. Is but we had magic. your back though, bro. Like we had your back though, bro. Did. Like you Black Twitter. Did. It was, <laughs> yes, yes. I was like, oh, it was really cool. So, I love so, it. I love Fonte. it. You come tapping on All right, Fonte, let me go. Let me go to the other side because let me go to the other side because I believe you two were kind of the same age. Or yeah, what, what absolutely. Born, I'm 78. So yeah, we right there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. What was it like? Seven, are you seventy eight? I'm seventy six. So you you are. Yeah. I am your oh, elder. Yeah, yeah. Man, <laughs> man, you everybody. I was listening your shit in seventh grade, man. Hell no. So, so, so did that, did that, so Fonte, as a listener, did that make an impression on you to see someone your age doing that? Like Absolutely. the same way that I saw the Jackson Five or Janet, like. Oh, kids my age, you know, that's nah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. I, I, even though, like, again, we were only we're two years apart. He was older, mm -hmm. but it definitely felt like, uh, you know, he felt telling him it felt like one of the homies like I went to school with or like that homie that like sang in church. And you just know, okay, that's a singing homie, and like he gonna he win every talent sing. show. He just gonna be you, you know what I mean? Like it was, <laughs> it was like that. It's like he got singing homie that just like gonna body everybody in the talent show, and that's what it is. So, um, yeah, the first album, man, that was something that uh, it definitely felt like it was. And, and I always talk about this for songwriters. It is very hard to write for kids, you know what I'm saying? Because you have to write something that's age appropriate, but also have something that, you know, adults can jam to. You know, a record like A Dial My Heart or uh, Around and Round or Can We Talk. I mean, those are <laughs> really hard songs to pull off. And I don't think people understand how hard that shit is. What about us? Break it down. Yeah. Well, so so listen. that one, that was the one like in homeroom, like because they were playing on the radio. Like they would play that joint on the yeah. radio. And it was almost like, oh, man, it's that, it's that Devin Campbell joint. And so in homeroom, we were talking about it. Yo, you hear that joint? Do you have to school like some homework? Like, hell yeah, nigga. I do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I was like, wait, what? He getting me uh, Yes. Are you getting yes, I am, yes. But I but yo, I have while we here, while we on the first album, I have to say my favorite one, like my probably like my favorite if I had to pick one. Come on, of all Fonte. Time. Let it be the same as me. Come on, come on. Man, alone with you, dude. Like alone with you. Uh, the uh, there is what? nothing else. What, man, what we talking about? And so my question my question for you on that one, bro. So I did not know. I actually lost a bet to this all over this to a friend like years ago. <clears throat> like she she won this bet. She hears this this uh thing. Yeah, she totally won. 
So I did not know. I had the album. Casey and JoJo are singing backs on that. <sighs> they're listed in the credits. It, I know. I, they're okay, listed well, as backs in the credits. Yeah, okay. Well, then you're right. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, <laughs> I don't I know if you, you have memories of it. Yeah, they did all the demos for all those songs. So all the, oh, all wow. the songs that, that I'll be produced, Casey and JoJo did all those demos, which is why I'm singing all those lick, all those rock. That's not me. I'm doing whatever they did on the demo. Do you still have those demos? Oh my God, I wish Look I could. Amir, always. I wish I could. <laughs> maybe Al, maybe Al has them though. Right. Al probably. Al, Al, Al has them, Amir. He got all the tape. <laughs> I thought, Fonte, I thought you was going to say, just ask me to. I always thought that was a, a soundtrack joint, but I, I didn't know that was on. It was on Boys in the Hood, but they decided to put it in, in um, on the album. I thought that was interesting what you said though, because yeah. Warner Brothers didn't care about that. They, they, what they had was a kid that could, that had this, and I realize it now. I didn't realize it back then. Uh, that had this voice that was a mature voice that they could sell to a whole bunch of adults. And and I was actually, and I think it's actually kind of cool that I was being used as like a muse, like for you know, mm. all these love songs that Jesus got in Babyface and, and, and Narda. You know, Narda Teenage was going love through songs. Mm. No, but he was going through stuff with his oh. wife and, at the time and so I, I realized now that they were writing and I was singing their experience yeah. channeling through you wow yes because I didn't know anybody anything about that stuff come on tell me what you want me to do and and then not knowing that we were using it to make out with because that's, <laughs> that's what we were that's doing putting it on mixtapes just- <laughs> oh. <laughs> no listen along with you was a staple on my slow jam mixtape Man, listen, that record will never you know, really like your work with Al B, man. I gotta say, like that one, goodbye. Like, man, I love oh, thank I you. love that song, man. I like, love those... that stuff too. I think he did a great job. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Like on the first album, it had to be five or six singles, correct? Yeah. I mean, it's goodbye. Yeah. Tell me what you want to do. Uh, round and round. Confused got some Just love, ask me too. too. They played Confused. Confused on the play, yeah. One song. Like, there was at least six singles off this joint. And so, who was the ringleader that said, okay, I'm, like, I'm, what I say goes as far as, like, your head. Is it Benny that's driving I the wheels? Is- Excuse me? <laughs> really? I really was. No, I'm telling you the truth. I mean, Benny Medina was was the, yeah, I mean, I'm the one that got to choose the songs. Yeah, they worked me. They sent me everywhere. So, yeah, Warner Brothers was responsible for um uh, Well, on the other stuff. side of that question, are there any notable songs that were submitted to you that you passed on that someone else took and did something with? Oh, no. I can't. I can't. They, no. Well, you took all of it. Not any famous, not anything to shoot. No, no. I took the hits. I gotta go I took there. The hits. Are you are you familiar with the Usher story with uh Okay. Okay. I think that's actually a true story. I think that uh if I think it's in LA Reed's book. From my understanding, I think LA Reed wanted Usher to have Can We Talk, but he wanted me to have Can We Talk and uh, but I had it, it, it you know, I, I don't even, listen, Flex. I love Usher. I love him. I actually just, uh, did a gig with him Okay, uh, really? in Atlanta. Yeah. Tyler Curry. So we shared the same stage. That's dope. I love Usher. I always have loved Usher. You birthed him. Uh, well, I'm, I, that was my wine. I, I that was my wine. I'm sorry. There was your, there was your, that was my wine. Yeah. Oh, you're drinking wine? Nice. <laughs> you start. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Damn, I'm the one without. It's a cool cup, Tevin. It's an aluminum I got cool cup. Water over here. Oh, yeah, no. No, okay. I, I, I don't believe that. Can we Can we talk? First of all, it's a great. So I'm not saying it, it, the, 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 it's so well written. And I said this on something else. Somebody asked me about it. I could never, I, I got it bad as one of my favorite R&B mm-hmm. ballads. It always has been. I could never sing I got it bad like Usher, and I don't believe Usher could sing Can We Talk like I could. You know it's You Got It Bad, but that's okay. I know you ain't being shady. It's, it's You okay. Got It Bad. Okay. I, no, it's, oh, it's, yeah, You Got It Bad. You Got It Bad. You got it, you got it bad. No, I know I wasn't being shady because I do have a song called. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I swear to God. No, no, no that song sucks. No, there's nothing to fair to know. You got it bad. But that was my favorite, and it still is one of my favorite R&B songs. That's when I hear it, I'd be like, okay, yeah. And, ah, no, 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 no. But anyway, 
yeah. And I, I read the thing song. he said about the can we No, it was my song. Let me have it. I mean, you know, let me have my song. It's my song. That was your song. That's your song. Yeah. That's my song. I'm blessed to have it. It's a it's an amazing song. It it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's a beautiful song. And I love it. You know, and I love that it's mine. And I didn't used to be like this. I used to be like, oh, I don't want to hear it. But now I listen to it. I actually will listen good to it for you. Sometimes. They're like, you no, know what? That's man. a good song. No, man. <laughs> you know, I'm actually held up. embracing my uh, my art, you know? So I, uh, I'm i very, very blessed and honored to have that song in my workshop. In my I had a uh, question regarding your work with uh, with Nard and Michael Walden, because two of the records that I really loved on I'm Ready was uh, Don't Say Goodbye Girl and Brown Eyed Girl. Like yeah. those were, you have any memories of like recording those two? I really, I really love those records. Oh, thank you. I co-wrote Brown Eyed Girl. Hey, publishing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, Nard is it? I, I remember he likes to sit down and just start playing on the piano, and he'll just he'll just say start singing, whatever comes mm. to mind, just start singing. That's how we came up with "Tell Me What You Want Me to Do." That's how we came up with uh, Brown Eyed Girl. Don't Say Goodbye Girl was a song that he had written already, though. I love Don't Say Goodbye Girl. That's the one for, yeah, I love that song. That's man. one of yeah. my favorite of my vocal performances in, on, on any song because that's why I mean he works you. He worked me, man. Like, I had to work to get those notes, you know what I'm nah, saying? Nah, like, I can he hear it, yeah. And there's no kind of, there's no sort of uh, alter, alterations or anything on that. That's all me getting that out. Like, he's like, do it again, do it again. He wouldn't stop. He wouldn't give you a break. Do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. And coffee. That's how I got addicted to coffee. But anyway, um, <laughs> well, well, wait. Let me ask you because <laughs> the Narda, the the Narda Michael that I know, because because of his him being Buddhist and everything, is he like that in the is he like that in the studio, or if he's just like yes, no, he's like that's your difference, man. coming down and give me some feeling. Yes, and he gets the, all the incense and everywhere. Yeah, that's him. Wow, that's him. <laughs> that's him. <laughs> I think it's the ultimate Jedi mind trick because I know there's a, there's another person who's a uh, Buddhist in my life, and she has the ability. She'll start here, but somehow she'll calm me down, and she'll talk very low. And then the next thing I know, I'm talking very low too, and I realize that's a Jedi mind trick. So yeah. Yeah, I, I always wanted to know with Narda, especially that the fact that Narda has what I call going into the lion's den. Like, you mm. have to have a level of social wisdom if you're producing Aretha and Whitney Houston, and like you know his his entire canon of of people that he's produced Divas, are singer yes. singers. So I know yes. that he has to have some sort of Jedi mind trick that gets you guys to trust him. And I always wanted to know what that was like. It's his uh, spirit, you know, what you just described, his whole, so when you walk into the studio, that's the, that's the vibe that you get, you know, so you don't mind working. But you know what, it's, it was the coffee for me and it was just him being cool <laughs> and he would record all the sessions. So I knew the camera was right on me. So I would really literally try to sound my best, you know. Oh, he would uh, like, he oh, like wait, record he would, like video, like, Take oh, he got a library. This is the he got a library, which is really yeah. cool. Like, <laughs> so shit, don't say nothing now, but That's yeah, he crazy. Got, so I'm sure he did Whitney that way. I'm sure he, he did. Ah, uh, damn! That's so you should have known that, Amir. Cool, yeah. <laughs> oh, we definitely get Nardo on this show, man. <laughs> you got to get nah. him on. I'm sure he has some great stories. 
but it, it he creates an atmosphere in this studio, Tarpan Studios. It really helps, man. When you walk into that atmosphere, you're ready to work, and he makes you believe that you can do it better. You can do it better. Do it one more time. You can do it better, and then you do it. Like at what point in your career, as far as your your albums are concerned, where you feel as though as an artist you have ideas that you want to express and production that you want and a certain sound that you want. Like, are are they letting you get a word in edgewise or is it still like, here, work with this person, here, work with that person? And No, I had no interest in anything of that sort. I was too busy trying to figure out life, yeah. And I had no time to figure out life because I was working. So I didn't care. All I, 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 you know, I got to choose the songs. That's it. I wouldn't sing okay. anything that I didn't like. It, no okay. one made me sing anything I didn't like. I had to last dibs on the songs. But as far as trying to say something or do a please, no. no. I didn't think of anything like that. I mean, besides like the radio shows where they would do like a summer jams or a powerhouse where you come and just do your two joints. Like, did you ever have an actual touring experience, at least similar to the one... Um, like when you did round and round on Arsenio, Prince's band was your backup, and yeah, that, yeah. that shit was perfect to me. It was great. But Thanks. like, how often did you really get to go out on the road with a band and and tour and that sort of thing? Did that happen at all, or was it just like spot dates? Yeah, no, that that didn't happen a lot. So my mom didn't didn't allow a lot of that stuff. She. Because I was already traveling doing... You had the option to say, no, I don't want to tour? Because I would figure, like, in the 90s, hey, look, you, you got a tour, right? His mama had that option, right? My mom was... She didn't play. I went on one tour with Boys to Man and Babyface. I opened up for that Ooh. tour. Ooh. And okay. that was for, I think, three weeks. And that was on my Christmas break. And that's it? Oh, My mom didn't allow... But I was working so much already. I don't. That's why I think that's probably why she didn't allow it. I was always traveling, promoting the album. Uh, but, but that's touring, the money, that's right? It. Touring is like the money, though. Really, right? Not when back you're not. Then. Oh, okay. Uh, it wasn't the same as it was now. I mean, I don't think. Uh, I mean, it would be, no. I <laughs> I can't think of any. And plus, I was one of the only kids doing it. But I, I think the boy groups went on tour, so maybe like the new kids on the blocks and new edition. Uh, uh, new addition. Yeah, they probably went on tour, but uh, so it would have been hard to pair you with someone. Yeah, exactly. It that. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But I always wonder that because with Tracy Spencer and Brandy, like, Tracy Spencer would have been good. Yeah. Yeah. Where the hell is Tracy Spencer? Is she a veterinarian or something? Oh wow. I thought she's pretty cool. I thought she someone was. told me that she does like uh, like spot commercials where like, I mean, you don't know that that's. The mom in the supermarket, or that sort of thing. Oh, I, wow. I believe that that's like her lane. Like she's done a bunch of. We did assume they all knew each other, right, Amir? I'm like, so Tevin, you knew Tracy, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I really think that my mom. I know my mom was very protective of me when I was when I was a kid in the business. She didn't. You can ask anybody. You know, she didn't. Um, she was very protective. So that's I was. Uh, she couldn't stop me from. <laughs> being a pest but when it came to like uh like just working and she had to make sure who was gonna be around me and i had these uh people from warner brothers carolyn baker and gene shelton it was always the ones that would travel with me when she wasn't with me you know she was very protective of me. 
So I okay. think that's probably a lot of the reasons why I didn't go out on tour. That would explain no hip hop collaborations. I got questions about Back to the World because to me that was such a, a shift, at least working with, with, with the hitmen and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about that experience with working? Back to the world. Yeah, that was a confusing time in my life because uh, I didn't really understand what was going on with the whole Warner Brothers situation. I didn't understand why why Back to the World wasn't, they, 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 it was sort of like they sort of like just forgot about me. But it's like you had all the pieces in place. At least I know Chucky did stuff on it and and... Like the hitman, Stevie J. I don't, yeah. you know, and I don't know what Puff's role is as far as like. He was there. Okay. Uh, I'm not gonna. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was there. All right. He was there, and and Puff is great. We both Scorpios, and he was there, and then and you know he wasn't there, and then he was there again. So let's just put it that way. But yeah. that wasn't that wasn't it. It was um, there was just a shift in the whole Warner Brothers makeup. So Bo Austin, Hank Span, Ray Harris, all those guys left. Left, yeah. It was not on black music anymore. It wasn't on me anymore. It was on some other thing. And so, I mean, and I didn't understand it at the time. I understand it now. It's a business. But at the time, I did not understand it. So that was sort of a weird time for me. And so I showed up at the photo session for that album with um, Twist. Twist. And they were like, what the hell did you do? I was like, yeah, I got Twist. Yeah. Just just rebelling, you know, Mm, being mad. So yeah, that was that was not a good time for me. My favorite record on that album was the um I don't know if it was a single, but could it be? Like that's still like could it I be love a, that oh, thank you. Thank that's you. That's the I one. I love for that me. record too. Do you I remember recording that too. one? You have any memories of it with uh, working with Rasan? I Rashawn do have memories being in the studio with Rasan. Because he wrote all that stuff. He wrote all yeah. that stuff. But Rasan Basin, yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you work with Keith Crouch as well? Or yes, he was on that Keith, album. Yes. Yep. Keith Crouch, Jamie Jazz. Um, Okay. Baby Jazz. Yes. It was a great, it was fun recording it. I had a great time recording the album. It was just uh, when they were trying to prepare for, for the release of the album, I was trying to rebel against one of those. I was like, man. Was... In hindsight, did you feel as though like you just wanted to break because you basically been doing this since you were 12, like without any breaks or whatsoever? Or did. Maybe that's what it was subconsciously. Maybe I wanted to break. I don't know. Maybe that's what yeah. it was. Because there were three years between I'm Ready and Back to the World. Like, what was what were you doing in, in that? Uh, in that? I don't remember. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> no, I love it. Ain't nothing wrong with it. I, well, I, had, I, I graduated uh, high school in 95. Okay. And I think uh, we started probably recording it in 96. I'm Ready came out in 93. Yeah, right. 93. So. <laughs> It was a oh, movie. and then oh, we got uh, the, the Goofy movie. That was 95. I did, the Goof- I did a lot of stuff in between. There was a lot of soundtracks and a lot yeah. of stuff I did in between there. Oh, boom, 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 boom. Hey, Jess. Yo, we're forgetting something. We're forgetting something. Which one is it? Dude, can you please talk about Black Men United? Oh, oh yeah. 100%. Oh. Yes. Yo, no. we yes. Yo, we, yeah. we, we would have killed ourselves. There's always <laughs> that one moment when the interview's over. Where we're kicking ourselves because we forgot to ask something, uh, and I was oh, like, yeah. "I know we're forgetting something." Nah, that you will you, know. That you will Hell know. Yeah. Like, you Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Yeah, he's on the first. You son, uh lead off on that one. <laughs> Hell yeah! Now nah, yeah, let's talk. Let's go, man. Yeah, right. you will know. I mean, yeah. I just remember the video shoot. Uh, again, being a pest, and I showed up at the video shoot. I think I got into an argument with somebody, 
and and I left the video shoot. That's why you see me in the booth on the video by myself, uh-huh. not with everybody else. Oh, there's, there's some other after that's the, doing it after the fact. Yeah, but yeah, it was bad. How old was were you? Bad. How how old, Tav? How old were you? God, I don't know. What was I? Well, you know, came out in ninety five. That was ninety five. Uh, ninety four. Ninety four. Ninety four. That was. It was 18, 19, such a brat. I was such a brat. But that's a great song. That's a great song. I like the live performance better than, the, I like the, the, the record, but the, the live performance when we're all on stage. Yeah, you guys did it at the American Music Awards, and did you do it on Arsenio as well? I don't think so. I remember the American Music Awards. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I could be wrong about Arsenio, though. But Okay. Well, I, um, I, I know I've seen it once. So it was the thing where they just sort of gathered all the people on that song at different places and they did their parts and it wasn't like you Tell guys said were... I left. I was gone. Yeah, I, I left. I was I was something else. I left. So I got, I got into it with somebody because I was late and I just left. You got into it with somebody because you was late. You got oh, into it. Yeah. yeah, I was it a wasn't I tell you, I was, so I was impressed. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it wasn't <D'Angelo. laughs> ah. Oh. I'm playing D. I'm playing D. Don't don't kick my ass. I'm but sorry. somewhere there's an elder who's been watching you from the jump, and they're like, "Yeah, that stage in Tevin's life wasn't my favorite. He was a little bit of an asshole." There's somewhere well, I had <laughs> I had angels watching over me. I'm telling you that much. I, I but I was I was a kid. I I, I had to I had a lot of uh, authority. So to, um, yeah, you know when you give kids authority, sometimes. Uh, so wait to that question. It's interesting because you were you were one of the first of an era in that way. So do do the other young guys who kind of followed in your footsteps? Does anybody ever go? You know what? Let me call Tevin. I know he been through this. I, I hope they don't. I, I don't have anything. <laughs> I can't. You ain't got nothing for him. I have nothing for him. You have to sort of go through life your own life and. Learn from your own unless I'm under a rock somewhere, it's not like you know. Of, of course, you came right, right before social media mm-hmm. was even oh, a thank thing. God. So, lucky for you, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank, thank God, God. Lord, I think lucky for everybody. My childhood on social media, <laughs> yeah. Lord, I mean, you know, it's crazy. You know, the nineties, the stuff that we did back in the nineties. But anyway, sorry. All right, I gotta ask: Did you crash a car or something? Oh yeah, I crashed it. Plenty times. Me, me oh, and Hakeem crashed several cars. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I, what was your yeah, first car? I, Since you were a car person, what was your car Hakeem. fleet like? What was your first car? Oh, oh my! What was my first car? Yeah, because oh, you loved them so much too. I only had a couple of cars. It was what the big long Mercedes. Oh, uh, uh, the West African joint. I can't remember. Oh, the S five hundred. Back then, that was '92. Oh, had the damn. long gray. Yeah. And, DC, and we, then I had a. Uh, we call them Nigerian Benzers. Yeah. Oh, they're coming yeah. to America. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> coming to America. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That Joffrey Joe Fur joint. Oh, right. my God. Y'all are bringing back some crazy memories right now. Just, I picture <laughs> myself riding around in my car. I'm like, oh. Can't no, even parallel park that joint. <laughs> I did some drunk driving and all that stuff. Like I did bad things. I did bad crashes. They are okay. so lucky. Oh, they so. I, lucky. I'm only asking because, like, I just generally never just. It wasn't <laughs> like you. I I don't think that you were in that Britney Spears lane. Where it's sort of like, oh uh, man, I don't think he's gonna make it. He or came that before. Sort of thing. Yeah, it wasn't like train wreck. I, I don't remember it. Well, she's white. 
when you when you're white and in the business, you, I didn't have to worry about paparazzi and stuff like that. That's not something that I don't know. I, I, I'm not trying to be racist or anything like that, but it's just no, true. So like, this is one know. benefits where being black, black famous versus white yeah, famous. Don't worry, right. Steve ain't paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, say what you're supposed to Damn, Steve, you're you're really on the 12th floor right now. Yeah, he's oh one of, Steve then went to the grocery store. He didn't master a couple of audio. Listen, go ahead. Tell what you're gonna say. Yeah, I was gonna say you know, this, this, this but, is probably the rare know. situation where being black benefits you in the fact that if you were white, you would probably have been on huh. the globe it's and true. whatnot. Yeah. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. As far as a mentor is concerned, like who would you say... Was there anyone that could get through to you, like as far as being a mentor, a, a, a Quincy figure, or whatever? At that time, no. No. Was, was you, was you listening to Miss Rhonda, your mama? It's just, I. Yeah. Nope. And then when I didn't, I fell on my ass hard, too. Yeah. So my mom was pretty much the only person I could get to me. That's kind of the lesson that I'm learning now. Like, oftentimes the universal life will present a situation to you in which you can either heed the call or continuous, you know, sort of be hard headed. And oftentimes people only learn the lessons when they hit a rock, rock, rock bottom. And it felt so, like the hairspray period of time too was a turnaround. Like I felt like hairspray was a whole lift me. Like it was a, 
Well, I had to, I have I've had many turnarounds, but yeah. most of them I didn't listen to. I didn't pay attention to. <laughs> I mean, you see what's happening with mainly with younger rappers or whatever. But mm. I mean, first of all, do you think that you're even in a space in life from which you could actually like mentor someone to be like, yo, like I was you in the situation and Nah, I don't really believe in that. I really don't. Cause you everybody's <laughs> excuse me, life is different. Everybody every experience is different. Now, if you ask me my advice on something, I'll give it to you. But I don't believe in mentoring. I never believe in that. Mm. Oh, I just don't. That's I know I know that's weird. I just yeah. don't believe in it. I just don't believe it's in it. It's just fascinating because you come from so many mentors in a way. So people per- perceive mentors. Well, even their words, that the, even the advice that I got from them didn't work. Until, you have to understand life in your own way. I don't care what advice wow. someone gives you. You're not, you know what I'm saying? Like you have to go through life in your own way and understand st- stuff your own way. That's, that's what I've realized in my life. I don't know. You got to learn. You got to learn on your own. Yeah, I mean, there are things that I remember my great aunt saying when I was little. You know, you know, uh, when I used to uh, talk back to my mom, she used to say, uh, and I used to tell her, well, she annoys me. She used to say that there are worse things after you die. There are worse things that, that could happen to you if you talk to your mom. I'll never forget that. Like she was saying, you're going to burn in hell if you keep talking to, your, back to your mother. Word. I was about to say, oh, I yeah. got a hard head made us all fine. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, you ain't getting no whoopings. That's what that was. That's what, okay. I, I, I see what's going on here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like little things like that, too. Yeah. Your, the last album, it was, it was self-titled. But I remember reading a review of that one. And I think the original title was Dandelion. I saw, um, was that mm. the title of the album? Probably. Um, yeah, probably but another yeah. way, I really love that song. Like another way was, I thought that was really gonna go up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't, I pro- don't like, I don't like it at all. I, 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 uh, I don't hate it, but it was a point in my life where I did not care about the album. I didn't care about any. I did not care about uh, that. I didn't care about that. I didn't care about that. There's a couple of songs that I like, but um, that whole period was just, uh, just confusion. Ah, uh, damn. I got a question about the Coco song. Damn. Oh, that's a lovely song. I like that song. I like that <laughs> yeah, song. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I went to school with one of the songwriters on that song. But did you, like, did Suzette Charles just submit that song to you? or I don't remember how it happened. I mean, I, I, I remember going down to Daryl Simmons' uh, studio and, and, and we recorded it, me and Coco. Me and Coco. Uh, okay. And it was a lot of fun. But I don't remember how it was submitted. I'm sure Daryl okay. submitted it through Warner Brothers or something like that. But it's a Got beautiful it. song. I love that song. Yeah, Suzette um, is the young lady. I, I went to school with her in elementary, but mm. she was the uh, young lady who replaced Vanessa Williams when she had to give up a crown for Miss America. Oh, wow. Oh. Uh, first place was Miss Jersey, who was also uh, a black woman. Oh, um, dang. The untold stories. Wow. She was, she was best friends with uh, my sister, Dawn. So, yeah. you know, I kind of grew up with Suzette. And I know that she did some songwriting or whatever. Mm. Tevin, so, do you can, do you mind talking about the, the Broadway thing and, like, what made you make that transition into theater? No, I don't mind talking about it. No, okay. someone just got a call. Uh, Quest. They were trying to find me. And they called Quest Records and they finally located me and they asked me to come out and read for this part. So it was uh, Matt Lins, who was the assistant director. His partner 
recommended me for the part of Seaweed. He was like, where's Tevin Campbell? And they found me. Wow. And I came out and I auditioned in front of all the people, the directors and everybody. And then I walked out and then they called me back in and told me, you got the part. So I played the Seaweed Hairspray for like, right. on Broadway for like uh, four years. And then I went to Australia and lived out there for two years and did it with a whole different cast and directors. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So I played Seaweed for like six years on the Broadway, on, on the theater stage. All right, can you answer something for me? Australia, and I keep trying to tell people this, <laughs> that, you know, I come from Philadelphia, which was, you know, at one point, you know, they, they, they held the torch for a certain type of soul music. Okay, I'll say it, neo-soul. I don't see mm. neo-soul as a four-letter word. Um, but oftentimes, like, you know, on social media, whatever, just the amount of... of soul singers that I see in Australia is staggering. So uh, Ruan, one of my uh, managers, when I was DJing during the pandemic, he's kind of like my DJ manager tech guy. Um, He's from Australia. And he explained to me that similar to the UK, you know, like we live in America where basically corporate radio controls the music that you're listening to six six months from now. You know, a, a, a clear channel will have already pre-programmed, you know, the next Little Baby song or the next Doja Cat song. Like, we're going to play this 50 times. And, you know, they, they have monopolies, which is why we hear the same songs over and over and over and over and over. Whereas government radio, i.e. BBC One, BBC Two, and the same with Australia, it's still kind of like eh, 1978 or 79 in America where they actually trust the DJ to be like, this is cool. This is not cool. And this, and so as a result, Rue explained to me, cause I was trying to it's like suddenly out of nowhere, I just start hearing like music that I would have gravitated towards, but by these Australian musicians, I mean, you see it now with hiatus coyote and all that, but mm-hmm. Rue was basically explaining to me that on mainstream radio, you know, Erica Badu got equal time, you know, to Justin Timberlake or Christina Aguilera or whatever. Like, it wasn't like pop radios here and black radios here. Like, they don't got black all... radio in Australia, right? They don't got no, black but that's the thing, and that's why a festival. There's there's a, a there's a soul festival that's almost like three times the size of Coachella, in which the lineup is basically like the Roots Picnic on steroids. Like every time. You see the lineup, I think it's a gag or like not true. It'll be like Maxwell, D'Angelo, you know, SWV. Da, da, da. Like imagine seeing that sort of lineup, but just with every black actor you ever love. And I, my whole thing was when you were living down there, did you notice a love for black music or even your catalog that you weren't finding in the States at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and- both on the radio and from the cast I was working with. So the girl that played the lead part, who was like 20, I don't know, six, 25, she started singing Good Times by Aretha Franklin. I literally almost had a nervous breakdown because I had never heard a white <laughs> girl singing Good Times by Aretha Franklin, literally. And she had this amazing voice. She could really sing. She knew all of the oldies. And, and, and so we, we were riding around, they would be playing stuff uh, that I had never heard in America. 
by these artists, these R&B artists that I had never heard. Uh, and that kind of surprised me. And it wasn't, uh, you're right, they don't have black station, white station. They just kind of blend it all together. But they have yeah. a huge appreciation for it. Right. I was just trying to understand Australia as a, con- as, as a continent anyway. Like, do they have black people outside of the, the natives, the Aboriginal peoples? Yeah, I'm like, is there, do yeah, they have a concept of black America and where these, these lyrics come from and all of these things? Or is it just like white people listening to soul? They have, a con- they have more of a concept of us than we do of ourselves. Because let me tell you something about Australia. If you Please go to tell Australia me. And you speak to anyone over there, they can do an American accent. Easy. I, you can speak to an eight-year-old and they can do an American accent because they study us. Right. That's an they American accent. <laughs> but what I'm saying is they know our culture. They know our culture. They know they can tell you shit about hip-hop and shit. I'm telling you, it's some hip-hopsters over there. They That's love true. black music. I lived there for two years. I'm telling you, it's like that. Now, not all of the white people are like that in Australia. Right. But of course. but I was, I was surprised by the knowledge um, I was surprised by the knowledge that some of these people that I have met had of black music past and present. Wow. Uh, So they're better students than the Japanese. Like there was a point where I'll say like in 96, 97, where pre Fergie peas or a group like the Jurassic five or even like, like, uh, uh, Ben, uh, Ben Harper. Harper. I mean, selling out like Yank. Can you imagine like literally, the first thing was like, I, I called my boys up, like, "Yo, man, we're we are actually open up for the Jurassic Five, and we're playing like a Yankee Stadium type of venue. Like, we couldn't believe, like, that was the big industry that basically like underground black acts get treated like gods over there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and we couldn't we couldn't fathom it, and simply because there really wasn't an apartheid with radio yet you know mm. like they all got equal billing which is like imagine yeah, like listen to smells like teen spirit and then like a second later they're playing like chicken grease like an album cut exactly. not like oh here's the single but it's just it's crazy like that over there this culture is different like too it. so yeah it's cool i'm glad y'all liked it i just didn't know <laughs> if it was as much many black people to uh ex- you know enjoy it, that are. culture Okay, good stuff. I, there, there's some black people over there. There are a lot of Ethiopians over there, but okay. they don't live in the same area yeah. as uh, right. as the you know. It depends on where you go. You go to Melbourne, you get there are Africans that live there. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I'll, I'll also say this much: most most of the underground like hip hoppers, like you know, I I can name. I mean, I can't rattle off names right now, but I'll say a good. 10 to 20 of them have made their homes in Australia now, which is just like, mm-hmm. you know, basically like America just, there's there's almost no future here if you're trying to make a living or make a splash as far as culture is concerned. Now I'm listening. I'm like, you know, Roe versus Wade got motherfuckers thinking different. So I'm listening to places <laughs> to go. So where they, where, they regu- where they regulate a woman's body more than they regulate guns in this country. Yeah. That's what we do. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it is. Like, oh my god, it's insane. So, you know, for you to have this illustrious career, and you're like in your your thirtieth year, what are your top five Tevin Campbell songs as far as like songs that you like? And don't give me that every song's my kid. Like, oh, I won't. I'll give you. Some, I'll give you some good songs because uh, you're appreciating boom. them now. Okay, be sad. He said he's oh, I do. I appreciate my work now more than I ever have. Okay, uh, so I'm gonna give you some real answers. 
I love I Know My Redeemer Liveth. I did that on the Handles Messiah soundtrack. Probably okay. never even heard it. Um, no, I, yeah. Never heard that. I Know Not My what? Redeemer Liveth. I'll look it um, up. Can We Talk? I like my vocal, my vocal performance on there. I think it's one of the best. Oh, Holy Night. All right. Oh, Holy Night. I like A Perfect World from the first album. It's just, okay. it's, 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 I love it. I'm trying to think of a really good one that I listen to weekly. Oh, yeah, Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, Tomorrow, definitely. Yeah, that's one of the, yeah, I enjoy listening to that because I sound totally different. And it's when I, it's my first record. It's just so cute, you know, like, you know, I'll never ever sound like that ever again. And it's the first one. So yeah, that's really special to me. I like that one. <laughs> so for you and your, your future, is there, are there any other bucket list uh, things that you would like to accomplish? A return to the stage, a return to the theatrical stage. Are there any Broadway performances? Are you ever going to return to the stage? Okay. I would love to go back to Broadway, but I really I wouldn't be happy until I won a Grammy. So, and all it takes is one song to win a Grammy. So I really do, I'm working on an album, but I really, really want to release a, another album. I just need a Grammy. I'll be happy <laughs> to, when I win my Grammy. I would love to act. I would love to do film and TV. I've always wanted to do that. Yeah, how was Queen Sugar, man? You did the Queen Sugar for that. How what was that? Oh, experience yeah, like? I, I wasn't. I, I should have. I need to do it again because <laughs> I was like not ready. Oh shit! Funny. I gotta catch up. What season? What season? No, I gotta catch it was up. Season four. Long time ago. Season it was years ago. No, it wasn't. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Season no. four. Man, okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I didn't get to season four yet. I'm I'm still it was catching years up. Ago. But no, acting, and I would like to write a book when I'm like sixty. I would like to write a book. I, I wanted to do a podcast. And talk about the pros and cons of childhood stardom. But okay, so what's up? Invite, hey, invite what's a up? whole bunch of uh, childhood former childhood stars on there. But that's love got a so network. Long. I really would like to do like an album like Barry Manilow did, like classic songs. I've always wanted to do an album like that because I love classic songs like uh, Frank Sinatra songs and stuff like that. But I'm just thinking out loud. Have you been saying no to feature requests, Tevin? Because I feel like a lot of these young kids they haven't hit you up for the for the Tevin sound like they. No, you've I'm been good. You've been saying no. You've been saying no. <laughs> no I, I haven't been saying no, but I'm, I ain't nobody asked me nothing like that. Man, I'm I can't good. believe Tom Dollar Sign. <laughs> Tom Dollar Signs ain't call up like he. I just Ty I don't believe. <laughs> I don't believe it. Tom Dollar Sign. Thundercats. No, I'm, I'm like with all of this, you know, everybody. Yeah, right there I, you know what? That's I'll the question. I, that's good. the question I avoid the most because I hate when I'm asked that question. Like people always be like, "So anybody today that you like?" I didn't and, ask that. Though. No, 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 no. And I never asked that. But I'll just ask in general, is there anyone that's made a record in the last 10 years or something that like really touched you like, okay, I like that record or that song or? Uh, I like Jasmine Sullivan. I, when I heard mm. her. Uh, that makes sense. Hotels really sort of. Uh, Talk about because- it. It was interesting how she just put her, her whole life, like that story, into the album. Because mm-hmm. that's kind of what I want to do with my story that I'm trying to tell. And I think I, I was very impressed at how she did that and made it relatable uh, and made it enjoyable and entertaining at the same time. Uh, oh. So Jasmine can make the call and you would say yes. Okay. 
Oh, and I love her voice. You know, I think okay. she's a great singer. I, I think we have an end to Jasmine, do we? I, I think we got a little something, something, something. Okay. I think we have an end to her. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> I like Lord too. I think she's very talented. Uh, her her songwriting and the way she tells stories. The, she is so dope. Her album, that album influenced me. I, I think it was her last album that she released. So those two albums, I think, um, really got me to thinking how I want to write my album because um, it's not going to be Can We Talk? It's not going to be I'm Ready. I kind of want to tell my story um, in a way that everybody can relate to, though. So I don't want to stir people too far away from the formula, but I do have a story to tell. You know, I have stories to tell. I can't just sing about love all the time. So, yeah, man. <laughs> um, this this has been a long time coming. I think I first hit you like two years ago, and. I'm so glad that we finally got to have this conversation. All right, well, on behalf of, uh, you know, Sugar Steve, Unpaid Bill, Laia, and Fontigalo, this is Questlove, uh, another great episode of Questlove Supreme. We will see you good people on the next go-round. Questlove Supreme. See y'all later. Thank you. What's Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.